Welcome to our Thought Leadership Interview Series. I'm Brandon Cooper, the Chief Risk Officer here at Benminder. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Marilyn Bacchicchio. Marilyn is no stranger to any of us from the prepaid card industry. She's the founder of Hidden Brain. She was previously the CEO of PayBefore, and she was the president of the Network Branded Prepaid Card Association, or NBPCA. Please join me in welcoming Marilyn. Brandon, thanks so much for the nice introduction, and, and thank you for inviting me to speak with you. We're looking forward to it very much. I think it's going to be a great discussion and a lot of things to talk about today. You know, one of the things that you, know, you and I have talked about previously is how should fintechs be positioning themselves for success in today's regulatory environment? You know, uh, I have really been lucky in the past few years since uh, since I left Pay Before to be dealing very heavily uh, with with the fintech industry and getting to meet and talk at various conferences, um, probably a hundred different organizations, and they excite me so much because they are so entrepreneurial and so vital and so creative in what they're bringing to the financial services market. Um, and they are so necessary in order for so many banks to remain competitive in this very digital transformational age that we happen to be in. Uh, and I think that one of the best routes for fintech, and, and this isn't original, I think we're reading about it all over the place right now, is for fintechs to partner with financial institutions. And when they do that, they also become part of that financial services ecosystem that has a lot of regulation associated with it. And I think that one really interesting thing that fintechs could do as part of their solicitation to financial institutions and their goal of partnering is to show that they can be a really good partner, to show that they understand the risks and challenges that financial institutions take when they employ a, a third party to take over some aspect of delivering payment services uh, to consumers. So I think if, if I had a, a magic wand and something that I would like to imbue into the fintech industry is the realization that every action they perform on behalf of a financial institution has to be bank grade so that that financial institution understands they have an A number one rating. I think that would be an awesome way for fintechs to differentiate themselves from their, their competitors. And having sat in, in the position of being inside a bank and working with some fintech companies, I totally agree with what you're saying. I mean, we look to them to really help us outsource a particular product or function, but we need to make sure they're doing it to our level of satisfaction and to make sure that we're in full compliance with the regulations. So I think you're spot on with that answer. Yeah, and and exactly, and you know, it's it's kind of that the dichotomy that you have there is that these fintech people are so creative and inventive and entrepreneurial, but a lot of them haven't been raised like you and I have, you know, in a financial services environment. They've never actually worked for a bank. They don't understand that if you're in a bank, right, regulation becomes baked into your your DNA. 
And I would just like to see them become more cognizant of that. And, you know, my crazy, my crazy dream, and I've tossed this out to a fintech or two, is, you know, go look up some of the guidance that the various regulators have issued on third-party arrangements. And rather than waiting for the financial institution to come to you and query you about whether you're compliant or whether you can uphold to this level of standard, you know, use it as a competitive differentiator and make that part of your proactive pitch to the financial institution. So I don't know. Am I being like Pollyanna in that, Brandon? No, not at all. In fact, that, that would be terrific. It would really be a differentiator for a, a fintech company to come knock on the door of the financial institution and basically say, you know, one of my leading uh, goals here, my way of getting my foot in the door, is to show you that I understand the regulatory requirements as well as you do. I think that would be terrific. And yeah, I, and that's really, it's incumbent upon the fintechs, but I, I, I think that a lot of them don't actually uh, recognize this right now. So hopefully you and I can be part of that educational process. Let's hope. And, you know, that, that's a great segue sort of to the next question I wanted to ask, and that is, from your perspective, how do you think financial institutions are doing overall with vendor management or third-party risk? Well, you know, I am I, – I love banks. I love credit unions. It's where I've spent my entire professional career. So I have an extremely high opinion of what they do, and I have tons and tons of respects, respect for compliance officers. Uh, those people who are charged with uh, with making sure that a financial institution uh, addresses all of the regulation it needs to, and you know on the risk management side that that's being taken care of as well. I think how to answer that question is really tough because regardless of whether a financial institution is large or small, dealing with third party risk is going to be a challenge. I mean, if you're a big financial institution, you probably have the ability to have more staff on hand to handle these issues. But in this fintech-focused, third-party uh, type environment that we live in, where banks actually have to employ third parties outside of their own four walls, that also means if you're big, you've just got more vendors to deal with. On the other hand, if you're a smaller financial institution, you probably have fewer vendor relationships, although I'm led to believe even small financial institutions can have 20 to 50 out critical vendor relationships that they have to keep tabs on. But in that case, you probably also have a smaller kind of uh, staff. So I think it's a challenge for anybody uh, to be dealing uh, with this environment and and I think that everyone is doing the best they can, but it's it's really a matter of the number of entities that they have to uh, uh, first evaluate and then keep tabs on, and 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 just the other priorities because we we're in an environment where uh, the regulations still just keep coming on. I mean, it, it, this, despite what we've heard, we're not seeing regulations go away. Uh, so I think that compliance officers uh, are are challenged by their ongoing risk management responsibilities. I would totally agree with you, and it, it's particularly difficult, I think, in kind of the opposite ends of the spectrum at the very large <clears throat> institutions being able to control all those different third parties. And at the smaller institutions, you know, it's really a competition for how much time is the 
compliance officer going to be able to devote to third-party risk management when they're looking at things like Reg B and Reg E issues and all the new regulations that have come out with you know increased expectations over the past few years? So I, I really think you, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, and and the fact is is that no financial institution is any longer a, a standalone entity, and you just never know where the challenge is going to be coming from, and you've always got to be prepared for the next exam that's coming up. And third-party risk, as you well know, is an important part of uh, any examiner's uh, risk profiling of a financial institution. You're right. You're exactly right. And besides, you know, following the regulatory guidance closely, what other best practices do you see out there in, in managing risk? Uh, best in terms of the, the the best practices, I think that it, 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 this is hard to call a best practice. But if I could offer any piece of advice to any financial institution, it's that risk management best practices and procedures have to be baked in um, at the top, very top of the organization. Um, compliance uh, people, risk managers, may be responsible for executing on their uh, financial institution's policy, but that leadership and guidance has to come from the very, very top, and that includes the CEO, the COO, that includes the board of directors and all of the senior managers. So if there is a, quote, best practice, unquote, that, that I think it's really helpful, it is a, an enterprise-wide commitment to compliance and risk management control uh, at, at an organization. And if you truly have that, you know, not, not just saying nice, pretty words uh, every year or so, but if you truly have that commitment, that is going to filter down and needs to be baked into every employee's DNA throughout the, uh, throughout the organization. That's a very, good way of, <clears throat> a very good way of saying it. I mean, we always talk about the term tone from the top. And, you know, at the heart of a lot of the scandals that we've seen out there in the financial services industry, you know, all the way back to 2008, a lot of the uh, focus is, you know, when was senior management aware and when do they start taking action on this? And, you know, who was who involved and, and, and how do we know that? Um, you know, are there things that you think they can be doing to better demonstrate their uh, level of involvement? Yeah, well, the first thing, the first thing I would like to uh, to see, for example, the CEO and the board do, is to have regular educational um, sessions where they are educated. I mean, you know, if you're talking about the larger financial institutions, everybody on the board is is really a professional in the sense that they they have an involvement at a high level. Uh, at some sort of a financial institution or they have the appropriate background. Maybe they're a CPA or maybe they're a tax lawyer or so on. So, so they fundamentally get these things. When you go down to um, the, the smaller type of financial institutions like community banks and, and credit unions, very often you have community members who are sitting on those, those boards. And these are wonderful, dedicated, smart people, but they don't necessarily have the background in a regulated financial services environment. And these people need consistent top-level education on a periodic basis, you know, whether that's once a year, hopefully more, twice a year, by someone who can really come in and explain that the, the buck stops with them. 
that any activity, for example, that a third party downstream messes up, say they don't comply with the regulations, say they, they trip up on and have a UDAP violation, that is exactly the same and has the same consequences as if someone at the bank, a bank employee, did that. And I think that the directors need to be educated on these, uh, on, on these issues and that education has to be very widely demonstrated throughout the enterprise so that, uh, again, like we were talking, you know, leadership comes from the top so that, uh, you know, if it's, if it's a teller, if it's somebody sitting on the account opening platform, if it's the risk manager, they understand that they're not the only ones who are being singled out and who have the responsibility for these issues. Um, the directors are getting their hands dirty and understanding these issues and, and uh, meaningfully uh, getting, getting involved. So if there was a best practice, that would be the kind of thing that I would like to see. And you make the point loud and clear that I think the OCC made as well. I mean, if you look back at good old Bulletin 29 of 2013, it really stresses the need for board and senior manager involvement in third-party risk. And then they reemphasized it twice last year uh, in Bulletin 7 of 2017 and 21 of 2017 that really stressed the need for board involvement. In fact, it almost veered away from mentioning senior management as much as it did uh, the board. And I think you really need to make sure that in, in those board meeting minutes, it's evident that you have you know, regularly discussed matters and that you can actually point to places in the minutes where the board is taking active involvement and helping set direction. And then you're absolutely right. I was talking to a, a former bank president yesterday in preparation for another interview I'm doing. And you know, one of the things he said to me was at his annual meetings with all of the employees, he would tell them emphatically that compliance is everyone's job and then point around the room to various people or point around the conference call, virtually speaking, to various people and say, here's where your involvement with compliance needs to be as well. And I think that's a powerful message because it puts everyone on notice that this isn't a, just a once-a-year exam time exercise. This is how we need to run the business day to day. So I do think that's a really, really important point that you made. Uh, the bank, uh, bank compliance is always, only as strong as its weakest link. Absolutely. And the same thing can be said of, of your vendor management strategy. It's only as uh, strong as your weakest vendor is out there. So you've really got to pay attention to those things in today's unforgiving regulatory climate. Yeah, and, and, and talk about unforgiving. I mean, not only unforgiving, and you and I could probably riff for uh, an, an hour on some of the enforcement actions that have, that have happened in the past uh, couple of uh, years, you know, involving uh, third-party vendors who have made an error on behalf of the financial institution that they were working for. And, you know, some of the fines associated with those uh, infractions uh, are, are mind-boggling. They, they, they were so huge. And, I mean, I think in retrospect, we understand that these organizations were being made an example of, but the last thing that you ever want to risk is, uh, is, is being that example again. Uh, even though, you know, I, I understand in, in the current environment there will not be as much regulation by enforcement action, but still, I don't think that we can take that much solace or comfort in the fact that, you know, maybe the the, pe uh, the pedal isn't uh, as much to the ground on enforcement actions uh, as it once was, but I think we still need to be incredibly vigilant in that area. I would totally agree with you. Well, Marilyn, I've certainly taken a good bit of your time. Any closing comments or any thoughts you want to leave the audience with today? Um, I would just say that, uh, you know, as we've been talking about, Brandon, 
compliance is everyone's responsibility. Third-party risk management is an extremely important aspect of what financial institutions are being called on to do. Um, it's a tough job, but hopefully with the organizations that they're looking at, uh, uh, working with and are working with will begin to understand their responsibilities that every action that they take on behalf of the financial institution they're working for must be bank grade. So hopefully uh, with uh, the fintechs and other third-party providers uh, stepping up and financial institutions keeping the pedal to the metal on compliance requirements, uh, we'll get there and uh, everyone will have a lot better exams going forward. That sounds great. I, I literally could not have said that better myself. Well, <laughs> it's you, been Anne. fun talking to you as always, Brandon. Sure. Thank you, Marilyn, for joining us today, and thanks, everyone, for listening in on the session. Please be on the lookout for future interviews in this series, and have a wonderful day.